0: so much for doing this, man. I appreciate you taking the time to fucking bullshit with me, man. Yeah, dude. No worries. No worries. Dude, I mean, you've been doing this for well over, you know, 30 years and stuff, man. Like, like, what do you think the future of live music's going to look like? Because I mean, my wife and I were just talking about this earlier. You know, we were supposed to see like five shows this summer, you know, and they're all canceled. Right. And my wife was like, when do you think the next time will be? in an arena to see Roger Waters? Probably not while we're still alive, but who knows? You know, so like, what do you think? What do you think is the future?
1: Like, I I mean, I don't think I think once uh, I know, like lots of bands, like I know Kiss has said, unless there's a vaccine or a cure, we're not going to tour and put our fans in danger. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of bands are of the same mindset. Um, which makes complete sense now like we're we're adapting to overcome i think and and that's what bands are doing and we're, we're planning something along the same lines uh, of what bands are doing now with the streaming stuff but i don't think this is gonna this is the wave of the future by any means i think once you know i, I think we're gonna tolerate it and people are going to tolerate it because it's it's the only means of, of uh, a concert, you know, it's the only way to actually see a concert of right. your favorite fans. And uh, I don't, and I think once this is all said and done, no matter how long it takes that it's going to go, I mean, uh, there's nothing like seeing a band live, <laughs> you know, the, I can't see this thing, like stuff like this influencing, a young kid to go Oh I want to play guitar You know Or I want to play bass Like what happened to me When I saw Kiss You know I mean right. it, I don't think this is gonna Have the The same effect Yeah But um, Yeah I think it would have been it, weird For uh, me as
0: a kid To have been like You know Dude I, You know I, One day I want to stream my music <laughs>
1: You know It's like Yeah you know, Yeah I want to do a concert For my garage
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well dude We've done that before man You know I mean Come on yeah.
1: dude Yeah <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. But, (laughs) yeah, I, I, um, you know, it'll uh, hopefully this is over sooner than later. But, you know, I never expected it to last this long. It's,
0: yeah, even my wife, yeah, my wife works for the CDC, you know, and even, you know, she was just like, you you know, like the last show I I saw before everything shut down, like uh, my drummer and I went and saw Devin Townsend, and Mm -hmm. we were at that show on a Friday night. Man, we were like hugging. It was like a thousand people in the place. We're, hey, taste my beer, (laughs) you know, and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, yeah, you know, and all of a sudden, like Monday, you know, my wife's like, I don't know if you're going to go to the the Jeff Tate show next week, but you know, it should be okay. Maybe it'll be okay by Wednesday. I'm like, by Wednesday, she was like, yeah, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> you know? then, that yeah. was it. And I was just like, God, it went so drastically fast, you know? And you guys were in Europe when it hit, right?
1: No, or, or, well, we... No, um, we were last, we were in Europe was last December. Okay. So, uh, there were kind of rumblings about it towards January and right. stuff like that. And we, we did three shows this year. I, I think uh, two in February and one in March, and we were supposed to have another show. And we were like, well, you know, we, we, what we were, one thing we were worried about is they were closing borders and ZP lives in the UK and that's where his wife is. And right. Right. The, the, and all his all his stuff, and uh, so he he's like, man, we gotta, I gotta really think about getting home. And he goes, if I get stuck here, you know, my wife's back there. <laughs> What's you gonna do? <laughs> right. She can't come here. And so we uh, we were like, yeah, man, let's get you get you home. We did the show, and then. He, he bailed the very next morning. Okay. That's what and, it was. Cause uh, I
0: remember Rob said something along that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the last time I saw him <laughs> so far, you know, it's like <laughs> we talk all the time, but Oh man, it's like, I haven't seen the guys for since that last show. I saw Scotty once. I, I, cause I had to fly to LA For something. So him and I, my girlfriend and his wife and son all went out, uh, to a social distancing, a socially distant dinner with, <laughs> with each other. So. <laughs> like, literally, a, hey, can you toss me a roll? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and c- hope you're a good catch, dude. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, go long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just... Cr- I mean, you know, and of course, like, it's just... I don't know, man. It's like everything is just... fuel. Of course, now, it's like the rumor mills are just, like, fueling, like, all over the place you know like bands are breaking up and stuff like this and it's just like Mm -hmm. you know and i've just noticed that there's this you know it's almost like bands are actually just getting tired at some point just coming out like just being like you know what like you guys are gonna hear music from us and just chill you know
1: (laughs) it's yeah
0: exactly this year so i've been obsessing i think i told you about this already like i've been obsessing about the moscow music peace festival lately Uh, why why, I don't know but like it was 31 years ago like this month Uh, that it happened like does that blow your fucking mind or what dude
1: yes it does I was just talking about it the other day um, and I forget who I was talking about it to but yeah it's just like man I was you know what am I I was like 25 then and i was just it, it seemed like it was happening to someone else you know we were we were on tour with bon jovi and then, mm-hmm. then you know we were told Yeah, oh, you guys are going to go to russia to do this concert it's like okay so we knew you know my mom was worried my dad was like hey man watch your ass over there and all this <laughs> stuff and, and so we, we just got on a plane and and you know with all our peers and and got hammered on the way over there and then got there we do this big press conference and all this stuff and it's just like wow this looks just like it did in in movies you know it's just all gray and brown and and stuff and you know back then i i didn't even give it a second thought really it's just like it was kind of another gig i had no idea the gravity that it all would have and it would be our generation's Woodstock, you know what I mean? Right. Um, on a uh, so to speak, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it, it was just uh, one of those concerts that go down in rock and roll history. And mm. I, it, it now that I reflect on, it, I'm like, man, I still didn't see it coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I did not see that as the big deal that it was. Probably because I was in the middle of it and. Shit was moving so fast at that time. It was like we were here, we were there. We're going to this country, to that country. You know, was like I'm a kid from Tom's River. I was lucky, you know, furthest north I got was like New York. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then, uh, You're
0: like, I'm in the big city. Like
1: trips, yeah, and then a couple of trips to Disney World when I was a kid. So that, that's, a, that's about as uh, worldly as I was. And it was, uh, yeah, still to this day, I'm like, man, it, it, it's pretty cool to be a small part of rock and roll
0: history you know and it's so funny because i remember i like i remember it clears that you know i was yeah i was in 10th grade yeah I, you've seen a million times that the skid row shirt on my school <laughs> picture it was like that year and like i had like yeah, yeah i had like three friends and we all pulled our money together and we got the pay-per-view thing and i just remember we were watching it and you know for like You know, three dudes, like, in Jonesboro, Georgia, just, you know, who've, like, rarely, barely even been out of the Southeast, if at all. And we're watching Skid Row, like, on stage in Russia. And I just remember thinking, like... First off, we thought you guys were killing it, but we were more excited to see what a Russian hard rock band would be like, because we were like, do they even know how to play? Yeah, I was like, do those guys play instruments over there? Like, I mean, we didn't know jack shit about Russia other than they had, you know weapons you know or whatever you know yeah exactly so was that a pretty big i mean coming from kind of similar situation like you said coming from like you know a small place like tom's river like was that kind of a culture thing for you to kind of just be like taken off guard at like just everything maybe even gorky park who was playing music like
1: that well um you know the gorky park didn't really take me aback but what did is when I heard they were like a Russian supergroup, yeah, and I was like, okay, so and, and yeah, because all you do is you, like, as a kid, you picture people in Russia being oppressed and eating, you know, uh, broth and, and fish and heads. potatoes and stuff <laughs> like that, and it's just like that's what you picture, and and it, then I heard they're supergroup, but. I know everything about music, and I don't know any of the bands they came from, and it just showed how closed off we were from, uh, you know, lifestyle in Russia, mm-hmm. and and um, just the culture and in, in general. So when I met those guys, they couldn't have been nicer guys, and they played really well. And I was like, wow, okay, this is cool, you know? Yeah. And but just just being there, just Everywhere we went, there was either uh, militia, the police, or or KGB not far away. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it was pretty wild, man. It was pretty wild. Like, we do stuff with MTV, and there's militia sitting right at the corner in the car just waiting to bust your ass, you know? (laughs) Make sure you don't don't do anything stupid. Don't film where you're not supposed to film and all that crap. Um, It it just... uh, it it's it still, like I said, to this day, still blows my mind that we were even there.
0: It's funny. I even heard a story about uh, a parent uh, – correct me if this is just rumor or whatever, but I, I heard that you were trading t-shirts with some Russian kids for like a Russia for like a, like a military hat or something. And like you got, you pretty yeah. much almost got popped. and Like, I can't even imagine what it'd been like to be like 25 and going, I'm going to jail in Russia.
1: This is going to suck. Yeah. And, and yeah, so we went after one of the shows, I guess it was the first show. Um, couple of Cinderella guys and a couple of us and I forget who else we wanted to see Red Square. So we went after the show and it was nighttime and it was really cool and um, these kids came up to us and one of them spoke pretty good English and he's like, hey, do you have concert tees? Do you want to trade for something? And I was like, yes, because I I collected hats, military hats at the Mm -hmm. time. And I was like, yeah, can you get me a militia hat? And they're like, ooh, yeah, we can we get it. <laughs> and so I go, all right. I said, I'll meet you. Uh, I, I go, how do you want to do it? Do you have it in your car now? And he's like, no, we'll meet in front of the hotel next to the buses um, in about an hour. So, mm-hmm. okay, cool. And in about an hour, made it about a little after midnight. So I, um, I went out with a few concert T-shirts and some other junk. And uh, the kid gave me the hat and... I just, uh, because I, what I'd heard, it's like you can't take any kind of, uh, military, uh, memorabilia out of Russia. And I was like, I'm getting a fucking hat. So, uh, I had, it, I had it under my jacket and I heard a car pull up behind us and the kid's face just went completely blank. All, oh, there were three kids there and only one spoke English. And, uh, yeah, they got out of the car and left the back door open. And mm-hmm. the guy was pointing for me to get in. And I go to the kid, and I still have the hat under my jacket. And I go to the kid, are we going in trouble? He goes, uh, very much. <laughs> <laughs> very much. And, yeah, so then the other kids started yelling, and they started getting in a shouting match. And I turned, I looked at the car. I looked at the back of the guys who were either militia or KGB. I'm not even sure. Probably militia. I looked at them and I looked at the car again. And I thought of the last thing doc said before we got out of the bus, when we first got to is like if anyone gets arrested here, they're fucking staying here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I'm like, all right. And I just hauled ass, man. I hauled ass uh, up the flight of stairs and through the doors. You're supposed to show your passport. I didn't. Mean, I forgot my passport in my room, and I just bolted through the doors and got on the elevator and hit every fucking button on the elevator because I knew I'd know. I'd know. You know, it was just all of us. I know I would know someone there, and uh, just, just just knocked at the first door, door I saw, and it was a couple friends of mine from a record label, and I was like, "Holy fuck, you won't believe what's happened!" To Dude, you know? get me under the bed so, quick. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't even I don't even think they gave a shit. I think they just wanted to scare the fuck out of me, which you know, fucking mission accomplished. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was pretty crazy, man. It was pretty crazy, but I got the hat. I got it home. Well, so
0: I, I guess the big question: Do you still have it?
1: It's somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure it's in a box. I, I know I saw it when I was packing boxes when I moved out of Atlanta. So it's here somewhere.
0: You, I'm going to have to
1: post that. I was going to say, you, you should frame that
0: shit in glass, dude. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have, I have a couple special hats. Actually, a, a hat that I got while I was in, another hat, a, um, it was from a Marine. And it was like their their formal hats, you know, when they're all in their. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I want to say Marine. I got to look at it. But they signed the inside of it for me. And um, they said, man, you can have it. Will you promise to wear it in a photo shoot? And I said, absolutely. And then the first photo shoot we did after Russia, I wore it. Aw, dude, that's, uh, that's... Yeah. And I still have it. I still have it somewhere.
0: That must have been pretty heavy, you know, like going over there and seeing all these kids who were just, for years, just... I mean, yeah, I, I, I even did some reading on Gorky Park and about how like even those guys like in their other bands, like they had to be secret, like they had to play in underground places and they couldn't, you know, then if you were caught, you got in trouble. Like and these kids were getting to see Skid Row and Ozzy and all this shit like like so did it kind of give you a sense of like appreciation for what you have back home that you maybe didn't have before you went there?
1: Yeah, we didn't get to see too much of that. We just heard about like stuff like music on the black market and stuff like that, and right. and, and that's why they knew Ozzy so well is because Black Sabbath was huge on the black market, mm-hmm. um, over in Russia. So we, yeah, you know, I I, I didn't really know how. Like when we got there, stuff was already happening. Like mm-hmm. the wall was coming down, and all that stuff. So it was like one of those things where we we didn't get to see how bad it it was, and and we didn't really hear too much about you know having to like like having to hide, listening to music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We didn't really know it until we left. Oh, gotcha. So, but it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense that. Uh, You know, they would have to. I I mean, I I couldn't imagine living in a society like that. But I'll tell you what, man, um, we've been back to Moscow since. And it's a completely different place. Like the hotel we stayed at was called the Hotel Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be the nicest hotel and the tallest building at the time in Moscow. And we walked in and we're like. Snake and I were sharing a room, and I'm like, man, I know we don't stay at the best hotels at home when we're on tour, but wow, this one's a dump. I heard, like, the, I
0: heard the cockroaches outnumbered the band pretty much.
1: Oh, my God, dude. It's like you turn the lights on, and it's like, they just all split. They're like, oh, they're going to be in the bed. But, yeah, it was bad. It was bad, and... and when I saw European Vacation when every channel was like the cheese channel or whatever, that's kind of what it was like. <laughs> it had buttons on front of the TV that you press for a channel. And it, it was uh, yeah, it was something different man. It was really extremely different. And a couple of the guys I think Scotty was in a cab and he said, man, you could buy vodka right in the cab. And I was like, well, that's pretty free thinking. You that's know what I mean? That's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's <fucking awesome. laughs> Yeah. So, hell, oh, you can't do that in it, an Uber meant, now, you know. <laughs> yeah. All in all, man, it it um yeah, so that that oh, that hotel, that it's a Radisson now and like those stairs that I ran up are gone and it's just it's beautiful Moscow is absolutely beautiful, man, and there's cool bars and uh, really really nice people mm-hmm. and um I love it there, man. It's, it's cool. The traffic is worse than anywhere I've ever been. That's the only <laughs> downside. We, we had a meet and greet that we were doing, and it was three miles from the hotel we were staying. This is the last time we were in Moscow, mm-hmm. or maybe the time before. And it was three miles, or t- I'm sorry, ten miles. It took us three hours to get there. <laughs> oh, gee, you could have walked, <laughs> because, man. <laughs> because, of the, because of the traffic. And our driver was cutting through parking lots and it still took us three hours to get 10 miles it was and that that was just getting out of the city so and that was about that was about a mile and a half of it and then then we got onto the road and it was just the country road and it was about yeah about seven miles outside of the city right. we were golden but it took we were just stopped we were stopped and the big joke was we were. As we were going down this one street, there was this gigantic Skid Row poster for our show. And we'd drive, like, three feet. And someone would say, hey, Skid Row's playing tomorrow night. <laughs> and we'd point at the sign. Drive another two feet. One of us wise-ass would go, hey. Rose playing tomorrow night. And that's all we did for it's a like, better part of two and a half hours.
0: It's like, hey, does it what happen anyone happen to know if Skid Rose is playing anytime soon?
1: You know? it's exactly. Like, just look up. You know? I wish I wish I could read how much admission was. <laughs> that's fucking great, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny as fuck.
0: But you know, it's it's so funny because, like I said, like yeah, when I I've been thinking back on this festival and you know the fact that it was like 31 years ago, and you know, there's so many great festivals. You know, like you said, like you know, there's like Woodstock, and you know, even you know Altamont, and you know, which is which was legendary for the mayhem of that, and you know, Atlanta Pop yeah. Festival, Monterey Pop Festival. Like, why do you think that like the Moscow Music Peace Festival hasn't been recognized so much over the years because it almost seems like like it, it it's almost experienced some form of like some form of obscurity too.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's funny there's books coming out about it now and and uh I know they're making a documentary about it. Um but yeah. It it I think it's the genre. Mhm. To be completely honest, I think it's the genre because we were the bands that weren't taken 100% seriously, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, this, you know, dudes, you know, chicks with dicks and big hair and all this (laughs) stuff, and I don't think... Like society and just the the industry for one took us all that serious, you know, like right. we were the bands that were laughed at and, and by the elitist, you know, and, right you know so but you know what I, I played a small part, and Skid Row played a huge part and the Moscow Music Fucking Peace Festival. So mm-hmm. I could I rest my head on the pillow knowing that every night. I'm not, not giving a shit what anybody else thinks. See, and that's the amazing part cuz like
0: I've been, I've been going back and watching the sets from the people and of course I'm not going to blow smoke. You know, I talk I say what I mean. But like dude, there was something mm-hmm. about Skid Row, man. When you guys hit that stage that day, like, you know, there was still that hunger and that fire and that like, you know, like you were still proving yourselves, you know? And like that translated so much Coming off the stage, and I just remember thinking, like, I can't believe that band had was a new band at the time. You know, like you guys fucking held your own on that on that lineup.
1: Yeah, we, you know, we uh, we were just excited to play, man. We always were. We were always really, <laughs> really excited to play in the beginning, and and it, uh, you know. There was a ton of people. That was one of the biggest crowds we ever played in front of. Now, did we know? They didn't know any of our songs. <laughs> nope. But we didn't care, I guess. And you know, in between the in between each song, I was like, "What the hell are they yelling?" What are they? They're chanting something. Is that in Russian? And then I realized they're chanting Ozzy. <laughs> they did it between every, just about every band, between every song of every band until Ozzy came on. <laughs> and then even after he, he, they were like Ozzy, more Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. More Ozzy, more Ozzy, more the Ozzy. Fun, the funniest thing was, and it didn't make sense at the time, but somebody held up a big, gigantic. Uh, sign that was the Kiss Army, uh, like that 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 patch. It looks like yeah. you know that arm patch type of thing. I was a member. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, huh. I was like, Kiss isn't on this show. <laughs> and but then then it, I started realizing I was like, this is a celebration of music, and this is a celebration of freedom in music and freedom to listen to music. You know what I mean? So people are just like, man, I'm just going to hold up every band name that I know type of thing. And and yeah, the first night there was a big Kiss Army sign out there. And I was like, okay, I get it. I totally get it. Like this is, this is really about freedom without a doubt. And it's probably the only
0: way too that – they could actually communicate to you that like, not only were they super psyched that you guys were there, but they were just like this, like American music, like, like kiss means a lot to me, you know, kind of like, you know, it's, it's like kind of language. It's that language through music, you know, it's like, you know, you, you put the big kiss army sign on there and you're like, Oh, they like kiss. (laughs) You know what I mean? And they don't have to say anything. Yep. Yeah, exactly, exactly It was awesome, man It was really, really awesome Well, so then you guys got done with that You (laughs) took some time off You did You put out Slave to the Grind And, of course, like, you know That was such a huge growth From the first album, you know, lyrically and musically And, but, Mm -hmm. like, the older I get The more I find that album Like, I really kind of connect There's a lot of darkness to a lot of those songs Like, so Where did that come from? Did that come from just the overall uh, experience of touring? Or did you just kind of grow up kind of quick or something?
1: Well, yeah, it all was very organic. I I don't think like we did. As far as songwriting, we didn't plan on getting heavier we didn't plan uh, on getting darker or anything but uh, you know there was a lot of life experiences between the first album and that Mm -hmm. because the first album i mean we they always say you have your whole life to write your first record you know um and, and that that's when we were writing songs at the time that's where our heads were at you know and and then as we grew as people and as players and as songwriters we uh yeah we just went off in different directions, you know, and mm-hmm. like I said, lots of life experience in between that and the first album that just kind of you know chronicled what what where our heads were at, mm-hmm. you know and and uh, yeah, it's such a such a vast difference, even sonically, the record is such a vast difference than the first album, oh, and yeah. I don't know whether that's good or bad, you know, um, I think a lot of people were expecting. Part two of the first album, mm-hmm. which probably would have been the smartest to do financially, but <laughs> it's uh, you know, I mean, we're still at you know, we still sold a few million copies of uh, of Slave, and it's mm-hmm. still selling, which is great, and and um, you know, it, it we I think we're at about. I don't know, 20 million worldwide with all of our records. And man, I can't complain. I cannot complain about that. <laughs> but Slave "slave" was one of those things where it's like, wow, this is coming out different. And when Snake and I were writing this stuff, we knew it and we weren't worried about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think their label was a little worried about it, but, but we weren't worried about it. Because, <laughs> well, like I said, like, you know, at –
0: You know, at 46, when I listened to Slave to the Grind, like I remember how excited I was when it came out, you know, like, you know, like when I was still in high school. And then like when I listen to it now, sonically, like it's kind of like what you said, like sonically between the two, there's such a difference. But what I loved Mm. about it was. It does. It sounds like life experience. It sounds like experience that you maybe even got from like hearing other bands while you're out on the road and things like that. But it was lyrically is, is where it really hit me. I mean, you know, not, not to Mm. dog it, but you know, the difference between, you know, you know, can't, you know, can't stand the heartache versus like quicksand Jesus. You know what I mean? Like I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, that was in the span of one album. Like, you know, over, I mean, over two albums, like sometimes some bands, I feel like take three or four records to get to that point, you know? So like, like what, like, how did that happen so fast?
1: Man, I wish I knew it, it just, I, I think uh, lyrically, you know, the the lyrics that I wrote, I just, it, it like you said, we grew up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and the lyrics that I wrote, I just wanted to be a little have, have more substance to it, you know. And we like, let's uh, chain gang, for instance, mm-hmm. was just pieces of, that that was frustration, uh, probably what a lot of people are going through now. Just like, you know, uh, uh, just just hearing about murderers getting off scot free, well, you know. People that are, are just, you know, stealing a loaf of bread, go to prison type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and that, that, that was a story that was on the news, something to that effect. And it just really frustrated me. It really, really frustrated me. So when we started writing that, I started jotting down lyrics. And Snake is like, man, this is, this is cool. We need to run with this. And I was able just to get a, a little more poetic with stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was a little more mature where I was able to, to had the ability to get a little more creative and just, I didn't let any doors shut and I didn't put any uh, uh, parameters up or, or or anything like that. It's like, man, well, let's, let's let's write it, it, what we want. And then if we got to backtrack a little bit, we'll do that, but let's just, let's just do what we want. And we, we managed to do that and keep, um, you know, keep it to where it was still easy to sing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, I, like the song "Creep Show." The song "Creep Show" was all about Angie Bowie just destroying David Bowie on all the talk shows. Remember you know, that, dude? I was dude. so mad. <laughs> I
0: thought that song was yeah. awesome. <laughs> What's that? I said, I thought that song was awesome, dude. Because I totally remember reading yeah. that that's what it was about. And now whenever I go back and I hear it, like, I
1: just think that yeah. it's brilliant, man. You know? Yeah. I, I was just so mad because he's like my idol. And I was like, who is this? I mean, oh, it just was pissing me off so bad. <laughs> so that's what came about.
0: And that's something <laughs> that I always think that, like, you know, at least uh, – I would hope another younger generation, especially now, would find Slave to the Grind, an album that they could connect with, because in a sense, it almost kind of reminded me of the way Alice Cooper used to kind of conceptualize his albums with a lot of, you know, with some political and some social commentary and whatnot. But it's stuff that, for better or for worse, uh, you know, continues to be. You know what I mean? Like, it <laughs> doesn't go yeah, yeah. no away. You know, so even a song like Mudkicker, like that's still, there's always going to be some fucking angry metal kid who's just going to be like, fuck the man, dude. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the Teenage Zanks is always a good thing and we still tend to write like that and Mm -hmm. i haven't been a teenager for a really long time
0: (laughs) (laughs) but you never remember the shit that you go through as a young person and uh, i mean call it baggage if you want whatever somebody would want to call that but you know even for me like i said like in my 40s like there's still shit that pisses me off that happened to me when i was 14. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's it, yeah. you know, if it's yeah. something you've experienced in your life, like it's, it's never too late to address that. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you're a songwriter.
1: Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. It's funny. My dad always used to, he, it, he'd he hear someone criticizing like their, their kid or something like that. And he'd always turn to me and he goes, man, they forgot what it's like to be young. And that always resonated with me to the point where I wrote I don't carry it anymore, but I, I wrote on a piece of paper and carried it in my wallet as a, as a teenager and a young adult to say, don't forget what it's like to be young. That's what it said. Don't forget what it's like to be young. And, and uh, yeah, it was, I was lucky to have, have folks like that that understood my angst and, and probably had the same when they were young and uh-huh. just, just let me be me. Uh but yeah, I used to carry that around in my wallet all the time, just not forgetting, so when I see a kid doing something stupid now, I'm like, I did the same shit. I did the same shit, and it's like, okay, he wants attention. I did the same shit, <laughs> you know what I mean uh, you know, It's like the neighbor kid
0: over out. here from us, like you know, on the other side of our fence, every now and then I'll catch a big old sniff of just pot smoke, and I'll just go. Yeah, yeah, dude, I totally know where you're at, man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. yeah. Been there. Exactly. Guess, it's almost like I just want to tell him, dude, I've been there, and guess what? It'll be okay, man. You, you'll, you'll be just fine. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't
0: sweat it. <laughs> so another thing I kind of wanted to interject about the Slave album was, did you know that that is an extremely rare thing to find on vinyl? What, Slave? The Slave to the Grind, yes.
1: Oh really? I think it's being uh, reproduced on vinyl. I, I hope think so, man. Back out on
0: vinyl. I haven't found a because I I think I traded a copy of mine off for like a, a Dio record, which might have been a good trade, but I, I missed that album, you know. And so, but I was like, That's maybe a good trade. Yeah, but I was like, maybe I'll <laughs> buy it back, dude. I was like, eighty bucks. I was like, maybe I'll just ask Rachel if he has one.
1: Well, if you think about it, like everything had transitioned at that point to CD, you know, well, um, that's
0: what they were saying. You know, Cause a bunch of my friends who are record collectors were like, yeah, man, like right around that time slave to the grind came out like that one, use your illusion, Metallica blood. They were like, they were only printing up like thousands because at that point yeah. stores had quit carrying yeah. vinyl. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, but I know our first album just came out on vinyl And so I'm assuming that slave will be coming out as well.
0: Now, do you have any kind of input when that happens? Like, like, like any kind of like participation in the, like the packaging or anything? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll call us and let it, let us know what's going to happen and get our blessing. Uh, Um, But like, we, we like to put a little extra with it and that's not always what the distributor wants to do. So it's one of those uh, catch 22s, you know, and, but, um, yeah, I mean, I got the, I just, I mean, I have the first one on vinyl already, but I saw it come out on 180 grams. So I went and bought it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm buying our record. <laughs> you to buy your own record. That's
0: like an awesome dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, that's my thing. Every time one of our records comes out, I always go and buy it. <laughs>
0: That's awesome, dude. I saw the Slave to the Grind headlining tour here in Atlanta at the Fox with Pantera. Mm-hmm. And you guys had that ginormous yep. fucking stage setup. I've always wanted to ask you, I kept forgetting, forgetting to ask you, where is it? Like, where do stage setups like that go when you're done with them?
1: Uh, that, we sold most of it to a, a lighting company. Or no, it was a, it was a, a power company like show power whoever it was and they used used all those set cards for cables um the the stairs that we had uh that got sold to uh maybe got sold for scrap i'm not sure but yeah that's that's all gone The, the the louvered Actually, the louvered uh, drum riser. Uh huh. The louvers. My my dad and my brother had a louver company. They're the ones that did that. So those panels of louvers are somewhere in my storage.
0: Oh, that's bad. I, I, for some reason, I always just pictured this gigantic storage shed that had the
1: skid stage still there. Yeah. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> it's funny. We took the light bulbs out of the. Uh, um, out of the stairs, and we repurposed them for something. I forget what it was, but I think they're long gone now, too. Do you miss a big, huge stage setup like that? Sometimes, yeah. You know, it's like when we do festivals, especially. It's like, man, that'd be cool to have uh, have all that crap, you know. <laughs> but and then other times, it's just like. You know what? We go out and we do the same show with or without that shit. <laughs> we're going to go out and, and we're going to – the plan is annihilate Earth. You know what I mean? That's the, That's the game plan every time we step on stage, so –
0: Well, it's interesting because like when I always appreciate when bands like that, you know, like you guys, Cinderella, you know, bands like that who have kind of like over the years, like you just it's like if there was ever any doubt that you're a good band, you know, you lose the smoke and mirrors and then like you've just got a great show. Like last time I saw you guys, it didn't even cross my mind. Like, oh, I wish they had stairs. (laughs) I I was like, this is a fucking great show, you know?
1: You don't
0: go home humming the staircase, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you talk dirty to me, man. But, uh, <laughs> so, um, um, speaking of re releases, the Roadkill uh, VHS was like, to me, it was one of the best home videos a band ever put out. It was one of my favorites. Like, has there been talk about a possible reissue of that, or do you think that'll ever see light of day? Man, you
1: know, we've been the truth of the matter is is that Atlantic owns the videos so we've been trying to get them to release that and their whole thing was yes we'll release it at this like completely unfair uh, reduced royalty rate (laughs) and it's just like At at that point, it's like you're not making anything. You know what I mean? So eventually I can honestly say this, though, because it all comes back to us eventually that it will be out. Uh All the home videos will be out.
0: It's like they want to take you to Chinese buffet for lunch as payment. And you're like, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. A Starbucks gift card is not payment for that. You know, (laughs) because
0: that thing was so well done. Like even even now, like I I miss that. Like I was like, I, I would love to see that again. You know, just especially like, you know, made for DVD and like nice and crisp looking, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. That was some funny shit.
0: So you told me once that if you wanted to hear a band hear what a band sounded like breaking up to listen to Subhuman Race. Um <laughs> <laughs> what happened between the slave tour and the writing and recording of that album that brought on that kind of la- lack of you know that like loss of direction or whatever like what happened between that was it just burnout or
1: Yeah, burnout was a big part of it. Um just, you know, personality conflicts, that was another mm-hmm. big part of it, and and it was also the climate of music and, you know, the way music in general was going, mm-hmm. um, and it, you know, we, we weren't, it wasn't the optimum recording situation either, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, uh, it, it just wasn't, it didn't feel right. Like, we, we went to the studio. We, we, Our process was always rehearse, pre-production, 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 get it done, get these songs the exact way we want them, mm-hmm. and then go to the studio and throw them down. Right. This way, we know them like the back of our hand. It's second nature, and here we are. Well, with that, we were recording as you know, as w- w- we were kind of writing, you know, we weren't right. even done writing songs and then our producer changed stuff so much and we're, you know, and it just didn't feel, nothing felt right. Not mm-hmm. to me anyway, nothing felt right at all. And it's just like, when it was over, I couldn't wait to get on a plane. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't wait to get the fuck home. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was it, it was just one of those things. You know, it was just one of those things where it was just a, a, kind of a shitty experience all around. There's some cool songs on there. You know, there's some songs where I like the demo better. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Frozen, the demo for Frozen better. I think we put that on uh, 40 Seasons. I like it better than the studio version. Uh-huh. Uh, I love Medicine Jar. I love Beat Yourself Blind. Um Those are all the songs that I'm thinking
0: of. I thought this, I thought the title track was great, you know, like, but you know, like kind of like what you said, like, if you feel like it was kind of like, do you think that if you guys had taken a break, say like a longer break that things would have been different or, or were you guys kind of hustled out by like the label to be like, you guys need to get, get something out on the heels of, you know, Slave.
1: No, it was, well, I mean, they were, they were calling Snake and I, it's like, okay, write, <laughs> start fucking writing, you know what I mean, but honestly, dude, the turmoil within the band was just, it, it was, it was fever pitch, you yeah. know, so it wasn't like, it was just tough, man, it was, it, and I'm sure every band goes through it, but it, it was just, it wasn't fun, you know, Yeah. and, and, that that's it, and then we here we are. Okay, now you're going to the studio, and you're doing the whole process is so completely different than what you're used to doing and successful with. Okay, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's do that. Let's okay, this thing is not broke. Let's totally fix it. <laughs> and oh, then it's like all right, well, you know. It it was just weird. It was a very weird experience. And and like I said, the the inner turmoil was was just unbearable. So
0: was touring behind that album kind of painful, knowing that it was such a grueling process, just recording and writing it?
1: It, Touring, actually, what we did is we did this thing called a live listening party, and we did select shows and that whole album played while the people were in the crowd. Then we went and we did our show with Choice Cuts off the record and then did a big meet and greet um, after the show while the record played. And mm-hmm. that was our live listening party. And we did, I don't know, we did about 10 or 15 shows. They were packed. They were, weren't as big as the places we played on Slade, but they were good size, Right. you know, uh, a couple thousand. And then we decided to go and tour for Subhuman and it was awful. It was absolutely <laughs> darkest days. The darkest days. Dude. Oh, man. Like horribly dark. And you know, we're we're getting there, and we're playing in front of one row of people, you know, and Oh. And I'm like, wow, people, people aren't dressing the same anymore. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. in flannel shirts now. What happened? <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it was it was just yeah, it was it was tough, man. It was like some shows uh, the because sales weren't great, the ticket sales weren't great. They, mm-hmm. you know, the promoter would skip town and skip out with whatever money he made, and we wouldn't get paid. And then there was other times where, you know, we get into the dressing room. And there's a literally our catering for the dressing room was like a six pack of water. And that's it. And they're like, Well, they cut the catering and they cut this, they cut that. It's like, Yeah, okay. It's time to call it a day <laughs> You know. <laughs> a man's gonna know his limitations. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Yeah, and that that was it, man. And we went to South America, we did a few shows and one went really well and A couple went not so well on festivals, and and, uh, we just came home and all walked in different directions. Mm -hmm. But
0: now, you know, with the United World Rebellion, you know, you got one and two out. You know, uh, I'm assuming we're going to have a three or, you know, I think I Mm -hmm. read somewhere you were talking about maybe it's going to be a full length maybe or something like that or. Yes, uh, it is. Yep. Like, one of the things I loved about that was that, well, for one, I thought Johnny was a great singer for the the years that, you know, I mean, for having to come back behind Sebastian and the bullshit he had to put up with, man, I thought he was a trooper, you know, and I loved those those two EPs. And I thought it was a really great move forward for Skid Row, but it was almost like you guys kind of had to take like two steps back to move forward. Because if that makes sense, because it sounds like it could have come right on the heels of like slave, which is a good thing because it still sounds very relevant and, and, and know it doesn't sound dated if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was kind of our mindset. We're like, okay, let's, let's just clear our heads. What I did before we even started writing one note or one word I Mm -hmm. went for about three months and only listened to bands that I grew up listening to. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, and the reason that is, is I didn't want anything getting into my head that wasn't true to who I was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like as many new bands as I love, you know what? Skid Row couldn't pull off a song that Green Day could pull off. You know what I mean? And I love Green Day. Um, so I didn't want to listen to them because they weren't there when I was a kid in the 70s. You know what I mean? Right. And so all I did was listen to Ramones, to Kiss, to ACDC, to Aerosmith, to Rainbow, uh, you know, everything like that. And that's all I did for three months. I didn't even turn on the radio because I didn't want anything to infiltrate and get in there. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, and so then... Snake did it for a little while, I believe, and we started writing, and it, it, it all of our stuff started sounding true to who we were, and uh, I, I listen back to even, even like, Thick Skin, and I'm like, you know, some of the stuff goes in a different direction, but mm-hmm. I'm like, this this stuff could have been on Slave or on the first record. Right. So, when it got around time for the EPs, that that's when it really we really uh, made a conscious effort to okay, we gotta retrace our steps mm-hmm. um, because it's really it's really easy. Like I, I don't know how many bands I listened to growing up that you know they just forget again. They forget who they were. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and, and forget how the songs like how they wrote songs in the past you know once they got all rich and famous the 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 stuff started changing because the hunger was gone i guess and you know i just wanted to retrace those steps and let me tell you dude it is not easy (laughs) it is not easy to dig up your roots man and when you're this far into your career it is not fucking easy and Yeah, not uh, even when you're that far into your it. career,
0: but when you're that far into life, do you know what I mean? Where you're just exactly. like, like it, it's crazy to me to think that like digging back to a Row record was 30, 30, years ago. You know what I'm going? Uh, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm like, that's long. That's older than like what led Zeppelin was when I started listening to Zeppelin. That's crazy.
1: It is crazy. man. Yeah. Uh And never, you know, I'd never imagined that we'd be talking about an album, one of our albums, thirty some odd years down the road. It's crazy. Is it? Is it
0: kind of humbling at the same time? Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely, man. To to sit here and like when we go we, like now we go out, we play, we we're still selling out big shows. I mean that it, people are always saying. You know, oh, you guys don't do any big shows anymore. No, we actually do. You know, what's Mm -hmm. big to us, you know, and and might be bigger than for some bands. You know, we'll sell out of 5,000 tickets and stuff like this. And when we go out and we play and it's just like we don't take any of this for granted. You know, we're we're in our career. We've made member. We've got far into our career. We've made member changes and people still come out to see us. And it makes us feel really good. And it is very, very humbling. I and mean... Yeah, I mean it, it, it doesn't go unnoticed.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, and it, it's very obvious, too. And now, like, with, you know, ZP in the band, like, it's almost like it's gone to another level. And I almost feel like he kind of
1: lit a fire under you guys a little bit, you know? So, like... <laughs> w- w- without a doubt. And if you ask anyone in this band, uh, he, uh, they would say the same thing. Without a doubt. I, when he came into the band... He was he was so he excited us, you know what I mean? He brought this energy in with him and obviously the guy's voice is just ridiculous, you know what I mean? mean, And he does stuff his own way. And it's like he's he just kind of came in like he owned it, man. And it was great. I love it.
0: Well he came in a fan, which it makes it even, you know, like which makes that connection I think you know even stronger you know so like when you come in and you know it's one thing to be a great singer but to be a great singer who's got a a respect and a familiarity with the music that the Mm -hmm. band has you know like that's got that just takes it to a whole nother
1: level yep without a doubt and it takes us to another level and you know we're like okay this guy's this guy's amazing. We've got to step it up, <laughs> you know, and that's good. It's really good for us because he's 10 years younger than us. And like you said, he listened to us growing up and it's just working with the guy is so much fun and such a pleasure. And he, he's become one of my closest friends. And, you know, he stays here. He lives at my house when, uh, we're touring the States a lot mm-hmm. when he doesn't fly home. And it's, it, it's just, he's just a good dude, man. He's a great singer, a great frontman, and just an all around good person. That's
0: awesome. I know I had the pleasure of meeting him when you guys, the last time you guys played Atlanta at the, uh, uh, up in uh, John's Creek, I think it was. And, I. Uh, Right. Sweetest fucking guy. It was like thanking. I'm like, dude, don't thank me, man. I'm just like, you know, like, that's awesome, you know? But, <laughs> but he was, but it, it, that show in particular was like one of the first Skid Row shows in a long time where I felt like, I was like, God, this is like, this is heavy, you know? I, I mean, like emotionally, musically, yeah. everything just seemed to be clicking,
1: you know? Yeah. 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 My, uh, one of my best friends, John in New Jersey, he said to me, he goes, man, I haven't seen you three, meaning Snake, Scotty, myself, mm-hmm. because I haven't seen you three look so relaxed and so happy on stage in a really long time, mm-hmm. like really long. And I was like, yeah, we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? We are. It's, when We are relaxed. It's like playing with Hammersmith. I don't have to worry about shit, man. I know that guy's gonna hit all the cues and I know he's gonna do all his parts right. And as a bass player, all I got to do is keep up and sink in, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then with Z, it's just like he just commands the crap. Yeah. He just freaking commands the crap. And, you know, I, I'll never forget the first few shows we did with him. And um, it was us and, and Slaughter at uh, the, um, oh, what the hell is the name of that place in Connecticut? The well, it was a little arena there, mm-hmm. and one of those big casino. uh, Mohegan Mohegan Sun Arena. Oh, okay. and so we played there, and it was like his, I believe it was his first show with us. And there was like you know, 4,000 people, and and uh, we're, we were just we got on stage and we played, and we were just so blown away. And I, Scotty turned to me, and he goes. This guy's the best singer. He is the absolute best singer. And I go, I know. I go, <clears throat> look at him in front of 4,000 people. What is he going to be like at a festival? Oh, God. Yeah. He goes, a fucking war-. He goes, he's going to be a fucking warrior. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, so tell me about the new stuff. So we had two EPs, and now we're going to have like a full length. So what was the decision to do? a full length instead of, uh, like a third EP?
1: Uh, well, Z. uh, first off. And, and second, we just, it's like, okay, we did the EP thing. Uh, EPs are, are cool. They're easy on, on the artist because it's less you have to stress about, but we just wanted to get back to what we knew, you know? Mm. And, um, So we're just like you know, let's finish this thing off strong. Let's finish this trilogy off strong, and and so that's where we're at. We we have a bunch of songs we recorded with Michael Wagner, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and uh, we're gonna write some more, um, and you know, we'll see we'll see where we go with it. But yeah, I mean, we recorded some really cool shit with Michael. And uh, you know, we hope. <laughs> unfortunately, it's really, it's even more difficult to get together now because uh, of COVID and all this shit, and you know, with Z overseas. Um, but you know, we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure it out and get this album done sooner than later. We've actually, um, we've actually gone with a management company. We've been we've been managing ourselves for long enough, and, and uh, so we're with Eric Baker at Primary Wave Management, and uh, it's working out really well. And it's nice to have a team behind us to to do stuff. And uh, we're looking at uh, uh you know we got a couple really cool deals on the table to put the record out, and um, we're psyched, man. I'll tell you to be be this long into a career this far into a career and still have people interested is a very very uh very good feeling
0: let me tell you man there's nothing more gratifying than a band being around for 30 something years that someone's parents would say they won't be around for another
1: year Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's a fad it's funny it's like I remember having this conversation with my dad before he passed away eight years ago my dad was like I never thought those bands that you listen to it outlast the Beatles <laughs> you know and I was like yeah, I was like how, how do you like them apples pops you know like it's a little weird yeah, but it happened sure. you know
1: yeah. so that's
0: well, fucking funny well so I, I guess to kind of close things out like uh, what do we you know in a y'all. what are we going to see from Skid Row and like, you know, what's going to go on? I mean, you, you got to give us something during all this crap, man. <laughs> you
1: know. Yeah, we're we're going to do some stuff. We uh we've done some uh cool cool stuff with with some songs uh, as far as like video-wise. Uh and we we got some stuff cooking, but I I can't I'm not allowed to say anything yet so <laughs> because <laughs> Once it's uh, solidified, but we, yeah, we got some stuff cooking, you know, Um, we plan to do some streaming things. Uh, It's like I said, it's a little more difficult when it's one thing to be in different States, but to be in different countries, it gets a little more challenging. Um, But we're going to figure that out and hopefully uh, get a, get a show out there soon. Tell me about the soap, dude. Uh, I started this company called Dirty Rocker Soap. It uh, it was an idea I've had for a couple years and um, just never had the time to, to put it into motion. Um, I, I was taking time to secure licenses and, and, and uh, trademarks and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, it, I just did it for a couple reasons. One was just... And all the hotels we were in all the time, I, I just didn't like the soap. <laughs> and I, like, I got to start carrying my own soap. I got to start carrying my own soap. It's just such a pain in the ass, but it's um, just one more thing. And I'm like, it's a bar of soap. You know, it's like not going to take up much room. So, uh, a friend of mine, I it makes her own soap, and I, I, uh, I grabbed a bar of hers and I took it on the road. And I was like, man, yeah. Yeah, I am going to do this and every every band and artist has a coffee or a hot sauce or whatever. I'm or like, a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I just exactly. So um yeah, like I said, so after that popped in my head, I, I just let me secure the name and all that. So I did and then when all this hit, I was like, okay, I'm going to have some time off it looks like. So I just uh I commissioned my friend to make some and then and soaps that uh, her and I formulated with the scents and the oils and all that crap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I made a small batch, had to make a small batch and it sold within a couple of days. I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. And now Retirement. Like up with <laughs> the, yeah. And, and now keeping up with demand is, uh, is, is, uh, is something else. So I, I, I I'm, I'm so happy and, and so grateful for for everyone just like getting the soap. It's it's cool, man. <laughs> it's really cool, and that, and that, the one really cool thing is, um, you know, uh, relating with with fans of the band on a different level. You right. know. Just, just talking about stuff, like just, just through Instagram uh, in- inbox stuff. It's just like, hey man, why don't you try this in your soap or try that and this and that and you know, <laughs> soap is cool. I, you know, this uh, I, I love this scent and love that, and it's just cool, man. It's like we're talking about soap, and it sounds so silly, but you know what? We can talk about music. But talk about something different is fine. <laughs> you know? So let's talk about. But yeah, I'm I'm really grateful. I'm really happy for for everything, yeah. and it's, it's just been a lot of fun, you know. And it, it's turning into something a lot bigger than than I expected. Right. But it's cool.
0: You see, what I love about that, though, dude, is that like it's at least for me, like I still consider that a a creative artistic outlet. I mean, like, you know, Paul Stanley paints, you know, some bands go off and they brew their own beer thing. And like, you know, you're you're doing your soap. Like, I think that that's kind of a cool thing because again, it's something that you can sidestep out of from what you're so accustomed to doing to kind of break up the monotony, but then to also kind of do something, I don't know, different. You know what I mean? Like, I would have never thought, yeah. like, wow, Rachel Boland put out soap. Jesus, okay. That. But, but, like, I would have been like,
1: that's kind of badass. You know what I mean? Like, and this- it, and, and it is honestly it is another avenue to be creative. You know what I mean? Like, I'll think of stuff with, with my girlfriend. Like, I wonder how this would smell with this, and, and so we'll we'll try it. And we'll make make a, a, a bar of soap or a bunch of soap. And, you know, we'll wait the three weeks and we'll test it and be like, yeah, this works. This is great, you know. And, and so it, it's cool. It's a really cool process. It's a really fun process. And, uh, yeah, it's a, just another
0: avenue to be creative, man. You don't do it like Fight Club style there, right, and get steal fucking bags of, like, Shit out of like dumpsters and stuff, right? To make it, yeah. Lipo, lipo, something <laughs> <substance>, fat. No, <laughs> like the no, li-
1: That's a little gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: like, yeah, dude. I'm not using that shit, dude. I'm sorry, I, dude. I love you, man, yeah.
1: but I'm not going to use that. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still wondering if that's even even possible because that's the first thing that popped into my head. I'm like, I wonder if they could do that. But it is it is a fat. You use oils, but yeah, yeah, that's gross. <laughs> You're know,
0: like, like, where's the nearest clinic? <laughs> like,
1: yeah. You know? Well, so
0: where can people pick it up, or is it is it is it available for order yet, or are you still
1: working on it, or like, what's? What? Oh no no it, it, it's well right now i I think uh, the website is dirty Okay. And um, yeah, we've been selling the crap out of it for a few months now, and uh, I, I don't know how much is left. In this batch, but uh, there's there's about a batch a month because it takes time to cure. So it, it uh, we're stepping up production. Let's let's say that. But yeah, there'll, there'll be new stuff posted soon, and uh, yeah, it's fun, man.
0: Man, all I can say, dude, is that it's it's been great for all these years to have Skid still around and making some of my favorite music, and you know, and and to you know. You keep keep bringing the goods, man, and I, I just love
1: that out of Skid Row, so. That's all I know how to do, man. <laughs> I could pluck a base or flip a burger. I love burgers, but I really like to pluck a base. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'd rather eat burgers than make them, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah. 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 Leave <laughs> well, that to the professionals.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, dude, thanks again for doing this, man. It's always a always a gas to talk to you, man. And this was really cool to kind of catch up with you and just just kind of kind of just waste some time on COVID, man.
1: Yep. I'm killing COVID time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Rachel. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk, man. It's always a pleasure, dude. And good luck and stay well and healthy and all that good stuff, man.
1: Thanks, bud. You too, man. All right, dude. Thanks.